0: Good, what a good challenge. Be an example to follow Christ. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 15, continuing in our series, Abiding in Christ. John chapter 15, we'll read just one verse to get us started. This morning we're going to look at abiding in His pleasure or His joy. Would you stand with me this morning in honor of reading God's word? We'll go ahead and dismiss the kiddos to go downstairs. They can start that trek. John chapter 15, and, and look at verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Father, I thank you for the time. I thank you once again, Father, for the privilege of just sharing your word. Lord, sharing the heart of Christ while he was on this earth. I pray now, Father, that you would just bless our time together, be with the young people as they're downstairs. Lord, just meet with them. Father, I pray that even now that you would just put your Holy Spirit upon this place, upon this pulpit, upon this message and your messenger. Father, I just pray that you would meet with us in a special way. Lord, may we understand what it is to have real, abiding joy in our life. And we'll thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. You may be seated. (coughs) Jesus... Indicates everything that he had been telling his disciples up to this time and, and all the serious things and, and the promises and the commandments and, and everything that he had been telling them to this point was for this reason, so that their joy would be full. So they would really enjoy the Christian life. I want to ask you that question this morning before we go any further. Something for you to ruminate on as we look in the scriptures is, do you enjoy the Christian life? You say, well, pastor, I love being saved. Well, I know you love being saved. Praise the Lord. We should. But do you enjoy the Christian life? You see, the Christian who abides in Jesus Christ, Christ is saying here that they would Abide in the pleasure or the joy of Jesus Christ. It's what Christ wants for us today. It's what he desires for each one of his children. You see, he gives us a Bible full of commandments, instruction, and rightfully so, we need them. We need them as safeguards in our life. They're full of direction for our lives, but he tells us again in verse 11 of chapter 15, these things have I spoken unto you. That my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full, and I would add, in the Christian life. Not so that your life would be a life of drudgery or a life of, of just uh, being overwhelmed, trying to follow rules and regulations, right? The Christian life's not to be a duty. But rather, the Christian life is supposed to be a delight. It's something that we are supposed to enjoy day by day. It's something that we don't do. It's something that we are. It should be who we are as Christians. If you're not enjoying the Christian life, very honestly, then something's wrong. There's something in your heart that you need to get right between you and the Lord, and I pray that you do that this morning. We see in this verse and throughout Scripture, and we're going to look at this morning, the conditions for joy, the conditions for joy. The first one we see in verse 11 is a condition, rather it's, it's a condition apply, or implied. These things have I spoken unto you. You see, if we're going to have joy as God's people, if we're to have joy in the Christian life, then we're going to have to have and we're going to have to hear the Word of God. If we're not abiding in Christ, if we're not abiding in his word, we're not going to have joy. We're not going to have what he has intended for us. If, if we aren't hearing what Jesus is saying, then we aren't going to have that joy in our hearts. You see, he's speaking this to us. He's saying so that your joy might be full. It's meant to, to produce joy in your lives, to, pro, to, to produce joy in every aspect of your life. Charles Spurgeon, pre- great preacher of old, said this. He said, His object, being Christ, is not only that we would know the truth, but that we would have joy in the truth. The question today isn't, is he speaking to us? Some philosophers and some Christians try to say, well, God's just not speaking to me, or, or does He still speak to us? Listen, He's continuously speaking to us. If we're in His Word, if we're abiding, He's constantly trying to, to just talk with us. The question is this, are we listening to God? Are we listening to what God has for us as a Christian? Sometimes we're listening to everything this world has. We hear all the static and all the noise. We listen to everything but to the words of Jesus. We get enveloped and full and and just overwhelmed with all the stuff and the busyness and things that happen. But we fail to listen to Jesus. You see, the world is speaking to us. It speaks to us through Hollywood, through marketing. It speaks to us through work and through people that interact in our lives. And they're continuously robbing our joy. They're continuously taking away that which God has intended. Circumstances try to rob our joy constantly, don't they? Things are going good and then something happens. And it pulls us back. You see, if you're depending on people or circumstances for your joy, guess what? You're not going to have much of it. You're not going to have much joy in life if you're depending on the things of the world and what it has to offer. They call for our attention, they rob our joy. And any 24 hour period of time this coming week, if we're depending on circumstances or people, our joy will go away. There was a man, he went to the doctor. And the doctor said, I'm so sorry, I've got bad news and I've got worse news. Some of you know where I'm going with this, apparently. And the man said, what's that? The doctor said, you have 24 hours to live. The man said, what could be worse than that? The doctor said, I was supposed to tell you that yesterday. (laughs) Right? That's probably not true. If it is, I don't know. but. But it illustrates a very important purpose. You see... That's what the world gives us from time to time, isn't it? Bad news and worse news. Things aren't going to go good. Problems, issues. You see, understand this. The word, the Bible that God has for us is good news and better news. You say, what's that? Well, well, very simply, the good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news is, is salvation through Christ and Christ alone. The good news is Jesus coming to earth and living that sinlessly perfect life and then dying on the cross for our sins and then raising again the third day. And I can be with him in heaven forever if I accept him as Lord and Savior. You say, Pastor, what could be better than that? He's coming again. He's coming back for his children. What's better is I know that when I die, I'll be in heaven. We had a memorial for Evelyn. Uh, listen, I, I can't judge people's heart, but I'll tell you what, one day we'll see her again in heaven. She knew beyond a shadow of a doubt she was going to spend eternity with her father. I praise God for that kind of testimony. I really do. And the better news again, that Jesus is going to return. He's coming again for his children. Our job, our responsibility is to make as many disciples as possible. That is our core focus. Listen, uh, I shared this with somebody yesterday afternoon. They were asking me questions and just things they weren't certain about. And I said, uh, let's, let's boil it down to what matters. And you've heard me make statements like this before of what matters most. Listen, what matters most is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Set everything else aside, philosophies, opinions, anything else, what matters most is the gospel. And our desire, our willingness to share it with a lost and dying world folks if somebody doesn't have jesus christ as their personal lord and savior it is impossible for them to experience joy it's impossible not hard not probable it's impossible see jesus didn't speak these things that the bible would be a a chain about our neck he didn't give us commandments and rules and, and different things that we should be punished or, or should be painful, but rather He gives us conditions. These conditions for joy is if we follow the conditions he's given us, then we will have joy. The first condition is we've got to hear what He's saying. The second one is this, is I must decide to believe in what He's saying. It's not enough just to hear, we need to obey. We need to act upon what the Bible tells us, not just hearing, but, but hearing with a believing heart, having a desire to, to serve him, to follow him. There's no question that if you've been saved any length of time, you know the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. The question is, will you rejoice in the Lord? Will you choose to rejoice in the Lord? You say, oh, pastor, I, I'll choose that. Question then too is, are you rejoicing in the Lord? Or are you just walking through the paces that life has to offer? You see, we can't just hear the word of God. Rather, I've got to decide with my own will to do it. God gives us a will. He gives us a free will to choose uh, whether we're going to accept him as Lord and Savior. And he also gives us that free will to choose, am I going to abide in his joy am i going to choose to have joy in my life he says i'm not gonna make you do it he doesn't force us but rather he speaks to us oftentimes in a small still voice oftentimes through scripture reading through through prayer through just time in the word with him but you see it's up to us to decide not only to hear what god says but to obey it not only hear it, but to decide if I'm going to choose to follow him. God's word is clear. We must make the decision. In the Bible, there's a, there's a passage that I love. Now, I'm going to pronounce it the correct way, and it's Habakkuk. You're going to call it Habakkuk. The pronunciation is Habakkuk. The most intelligent man I've ever met in my life, he pronounced it Habakkuk, and I'm going to take his word for it. So if I say a weird word called Habakkuk, it's Habakkuk to anyone else. But anyway, uh, but Hab- Hab- Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. I want you to listen to what he says. Listen to the words. It says, "...although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail." And the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Now listen to what he says. Things are destitute, things are horrible, but listen to this. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Habakkuk didn't care what he lost. All his money, his crops, his flocks, all the material possessions of the world. He says, I don't care about those. He says, I'm going to rejoice in my God. I'm going to rejoice in the salvation that he has provided. Part of the conditions of joy or having joy is just accepting, listening, obeying. If all the things of the world are taken away, let me ask you a question. How will your joy be? He was going to rejoice in his God, in the joy of his salvation, and we need to decide that today. Decide that no matter what difficulties come, you will stay true to the Word of God. Trials will come, Habakkuk said, I will, I will have the joy of my God. Nineteen times in Philippians we hear about joy. We hear rejoice in the Lord. We, we understand today that happiness, that joy, true joy is a choice. Let me ask this question. Have you decided you're going to have the joy of the Lord in your life? Are you going to hear his word and obey it and enjoy the Christian life? Or is a Christian life going to be that of drudgery for you? I don't know how your week was, but there were times in my life this week that the joy was it was hard to find in some circumstances. Uh, I shared this with someone yesterday. I said, for some reason, this week, the last four or five days, God has decided that my new prayer time with him needs to be 3:30 in the morning. Now, there is nothing spiritual about your pastor in 3.30 in the morning. It doesn't exist. But the last several days, I've woken up between 3 and 3.30 burdened. It's been a rough week. <clears throat> burdened for a church family whom I love, not this one. They're searching for a pastor. There's division in the church. There's pain in the church. I'm burdened for them. Why? I love them. A young pastor called me this week and just struggling on where, where the Lord wants him. I'm burdened for him. I had a close friend tried to commit suicide this week. It's hard, some days to find joy. Last night found out that a family member passed away, didn't even know they were sick. Listen, folks, sometimes it's hard to find joy in circumstance, but understand this. There is always, always joy in the Lord. That doesn't mean we're happy about circumstances or situations, but one thing I can promise you is this. If you try to rely on circumstances, you try to rely on people, your joy will fade away. It will not last. Why? Because life happens. That's what happened in the last four days of my life. Forget all the other things that needed to happen in the busyness of life, but just, just burdened. Burdened. Scripture tells us we're to bear other people's, our, our brother's burdens, just praying for them and just seeking God's will for their life. But, folks, that can't stop me from having the joy of the Lord. Why? Because my joy can't be contingent upon people upon circumstances, upon what the world has to offer. Instead, I need to depend on God who never changes. The same yesterday, today, and forever. The conditions for joy is we need to hear the word and and we need to decide to obey it. Happiness, that joy, it's, it's a choice. Do you know why some people look like they've had dill pickles and lemons for breakfast every day? You know the kind of people I'm talking about, right? They're just, right, just attitude-y and miserable, and you think, boy, who, you know, who shot their dog today? You know why? There's a reason. They've decided it's how they're going to be. They've decided it's, it's, it's how they're going to look. You see, uh, you can have a, a new pool or a new big house, or you could even have, appropriate for today, tickets to the Super Bowl. I didn't even know the Super Bowl was today until yesterday. (laughs) But none of these things, listen now, none of these things are going to bring joy. They might bring that temporary happiness or smile to your face, but they're not going to bring joy. It's hearing the Word of God. It's deciding to obey and follow. Why? Because I want the joy of the Lord in my heart. I want what verse 11 has. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. You see, conditions of joy is we've got to hear it. Secondly, we've got to decide it. And then we need to decide for it. Then we've got to understand the constancy of joy. The constancy of joy. Back in verse 11, it says, My joy might remain in you. If I remain focused... If I focus on his word in my life, then I'll begin to understand. Then I can begin to have real joy. Then I can have what Philippians 2 talks about. It says, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. We We call this the mind of Christ. We as a Christian... Are to have the mind of christ we are to to live and act and do as christ did literally the definition of being a christian is to be like christ that's what we're to be that's who we're supposed to be from our thoughts to our heart to our actions that's who we're supposed to be abiding in the lord daily and there will be a joy daily in my life or am i going to be like james talks about he says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways What kind of a person am I going to be? Not not a person. What kind of a Christian am I going to be? Am I going to have the mind of Christ? Or am I going to be double-minded? Am I going to seek what, what He's got for me and seek Him for my joy and my happiness and all those things which He wants me to have? Or am I going to say one thing in church and then act and live and do very differently in the world? This is where... Many Christians struggle today. One day in church, reading the Bible, and, and joy comes. The next day, forgetting about the Word of God. The next day, instead of, instead of, of reading or praying, they, they watch some TV, or they go shopping, or they, they do some gossiping, or they're just too busy for God. All of a sudden, they're depressed. Why? Neglecting the Word of God neglecting the commandments, neglecting what God's got for us. Up, down, happy, sad, back and forth, no consistency in their Christian life. Why? Because they're not remaining or abiding in the joy of the Lord. They're not staying in his word. They're not obeying his word. They're not, they're not where God wants them to be. That his joy might remain in you. That word remain there, it's very simple. You know what it means? To stay put, to just stay right there, not to wander off, not to be fleeting, but it just stays. That his joy might just be there, permanent. You see, his supply, his supply is constant, it doesn't end. As long as we are abiding in him, his joy doesn't slow down. There's that endless supply. Jesus Christ delights in giving joy in our hearts. I was thinking about something this week and <clears throat> tell you a little bit about my family heritage and, and kind of where I come from. And, and I was raised in the country. Many of you know this. I've shared that before. And, and I was raised in, in uh, Pennsylvania. And the county I was raised in was Perry County. All right? Has anyone ever heard of that county before? You probably haven't, other than those two. Um, <clears throat> if anyone else says they did, they're probably lying, but that's all right. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about where I grew up. Now, I haven't lived in Pennsylvania for, for probably more years than I'd like to admit. All right? It's pushing, I don't know, 17, 18, somewhere in there, 17, 16. Anyway, uh, more years than I'd like to admit. And, and we've gone back and visited a few times. And, and they've gotten some pretty cool stuff since we left. Now... Most of the houses have all this electricity stuff, right? And they all have these phones that aren't the party lines, you know? One of the biggest developments that happened, and this one's 100% true, is Perry County now has a red light, right? Ooh, ah, it's amazing the technology today. I think they just sit out on their lawn chairs just watching it sipping sweet tea, you know, like, wow, that's amazing, and that's true. They never had one my entire growing up. They just got one a few years ago. One of the things that, that we had growing up was, was a, a volunteer fire company. And I listen, uh, I, I make a lot of jokes, but these were some great guys. The fire chief, an amazing man. His name was Mike. He would take youth and, and train them and, and really uh, were effective tools in the community. But again, it was rural all right? We didn't have fire hydrants. There was no fire hydrants anywhere. If we did have them, they probably just used them to water cattle anyway. So, you know, it wouldn't have been a very effective tool. But uh, so one of the things that the fire company had to do is they had the fire trucks you normally think of, and they had ladder trucks and the hose trucks and all those things. But big part of being a fireman is what? You need water, right? So they had tanker trucks, and these tanker trucks were big, right? They would hold, you know, about 750 or so gallons of water, depending on which one they had, and, and that's a lot of water. <clears throat> and so they would, they would have to fill it up. Well, they would go, and they would fill it up. Again, we didn't have fire hydrants, so they would go to the local creek and follow it up, and fill it up. You say, what's a creek? You probably call it a creek, all right? It's not a creek, it's a creek, and they would go and they would back the truck into the spot and they would have a pump that was a gas pump and super noisy. And they'd have a hose that would go to the top and, and that's how they would fill the fire truck up. I remember one day we were driving by and they were filling up the tanker truck and getting it ready and so forth. And, and, and they just kind of were ignoring it. They were on the front bumper of the truck and, and they were just kind of drinking Mountain Dew and just kind of relaxing and having a good time. You know? But here's something that, was, that happened that they had no idea. As they had started the pump, and as things kind of shifted a little bit, the hose that was supposed to be going in the top of the tank, guess what happened? It wasn't going in the tank anymore. And instead, there was a pond slowly enveloping the entire tanker truck. You know, And it was unbeknownst to them, they had no idea because it was noisy and so forth, and they're just up there, and the water hadn't reached up there yet, and, and, and you know what the problem was? Now listen, the water was free. They could have gotten it, it was virtually an endless supply, free for the taking, free for their use, for whatever needed to happen. But the problem was this, their hose wasn't aligned. And because the hose wasn't aligned, the water wasn't making it in the truck, making it impossible for the truck to fill. Now, let's apply that to the Christian life. That's where so many Christians live today. They're not aligned to the Word of God. They're not lined up with what God has for them. And because of that, they can never get full. Because of that, they they never get filled with the joy and the promises and what God has for them. You say, what's preventing them? Sin. There's some sin in their life that's that's keeping them from being able to be aligned with that flow of God's Word, that flow of, of God's blessings and joy and what He has for us. You see, if they're not aligned with God's Word if they're not where they need to be, if there's some sin, it's diverting that that flow of blessings away from their life. And because of that, they can never be filled. Just like that hose going into the truck, it'll never get full. There can be millions of gallons, but unless it's aligned properly, it can't be filled. Just the same as that water in that creek was free, God's love, God's joy, it's free for our lives, but in order for us to receive it and for, in order for us to get it, we need to ask him, Lord, is there something in my life that's keeping me from receiving what you have? Is there something that's just preventing me from, from getting that joy, from, from getting the blessings that you have planned for me? You see, his joy can prevail over any heartache in our life. His joy can overcome any struggle or stress or problem. Why? Because his joy is based upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. I want you to see this verse as we look about it, as we, as we look at it. Hebrews chapter 12. It's a verse that most of us are very familiar with, but I think sometimes we miss it. I think sometimes we miss what God is saying to us because we just kind of read through things. Hebrews chapter 12, and look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross despising the shame, that shame that He despised was the, was, the, was the shame of sin of the world and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. He suffered because He loved you and He loved me so much. Because of that love, He was able to endure the pain and the agony of the cross not just the physical pain but the spiritual pain of sin being put on him my sin your sin being placed upon him but he was able to endure why he was looking forward to the joy you say what do you mean pastor how could he that's what the scripture tells us he was looking forward to the joy that was that was set before him what joy is that he knew that the tomb would soon be empty He knew uh, that He would be sitting at the right hand of the Father. He knew that there would be thousands, nay nay millions, that would accept Him as Lord and Savior. That's why Christ was able to endure the cross. And not only did He endure the cross, but He he did so with joy. Because He knew the joy to come. He knew the things to come and, and the blessings that would be. See, if you let the joy of the Bible... If you let it get in your heart, it doesn't matter what trial you're dealing with or what cross you're bearing, you and I can claim the victory. The victory today that Christ was victorious over the cross, over the grave, over death and sin. Folks, that's the kind of joy that Jesus offers. It's not a temporary or quick fix thing. Now listen, I, I don't know what your burden is today. Some of you, I, honestly, th- this week at 3.30 or 3 3.00, o'clock, I was praying for it because I do know of some of the burdens or some of the challenges. But maybe your burdens are different. Maybe they're unknowns to so many. Maybe it's a, a need for a job. Maybe it's the loss of a friend or a wayward, wayward family member, a broken home. Maybe it's a, a close friend as I shared with you, that that tried to commit suicide this week. But you see the joy that sustained Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, it's available to you and I today. The psalmist wrote these words, Weeping may endure for a night, but what happens? But joy cometh in the morning. We'll have times of pain. We'll have times of sorrow. They're but temporary the joy of jesus christ it's coming it's there it's ready for you to take hold of if you choose you see that's the that's the constancy of jesus's joy that's what he wants us to understand and have and do it's always available to us it's never going to disappear it's never going to dis- diminish it's there day in and day out the constancy constancy of joy that will remain in you if you get your life aligned with Christ. Lastly, this morning, we see the completeness of your joy. Look back at John chapter 15, verse 11, our text verse this morning. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you, now catch this last phrase, that your joy might be full the constancy of his joy. If his joy is in me, then my joy will be full. The pleasure of an abiding relationship with Christ is unlike anything the world has to offer. I want you to think of somewhere you you anticipate to go, somewhere you really want to go. Maybe it's a theme park right? Kids are always excited about that. For some of you guys, maybe it's a car show, all right? For some of you football fanatics, maybe it would be the Super Bowl, all right? Uh, Whatever it might be, that anticipation, that drive, that excitement, oh, I can't wait, it's coming soon. Let me ask you a question. When you get to go to those things, what happens after you leave? It fades away. That joy, that excitement, that enthusiasm, it's it's fleeting, it fades, it goes. You see, that's what the world has to offer. It has some of that fun things, but it, it'll never offer. It's not able to offer the joy, the fullness of joy that only God can offer. See, when His joy is in our life, we will be full To the brim. Psalm 16 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. The fullness of joy. Let me ask a question. All right? Let me just ask this question. Have you ever been full before? Right? You've just eaten so much where you say, I'm just stuffed. Literally, I can't eat another bite. Some of you will be that way this afternoon after the afternoon lunch, right? And then you're going to be in a food coma when I try to preach to you. I know how you are, all right? But maybe it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or, or whatever it is, but you're just so full. You say, I can't eat another bite. Take that for a moment now. See, Jesus wants you to be so full of his joy that when the devil comes knocking, We say, No way. There's just no room in my life for you. That you're so full of what God has given you, his goodness, his grace, his teachings, it doesn't tempt me. Why? Because I'm so full of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the fullness that this verse is talking about. That's what God wants each and every one of us to have in our life. That's what the Bible means when it says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. If I take in the Word of God, that I'm so full, that I'm so happy in Jesus, and I don't just mean those fleeting feelings, I mean that true joy, then I'm able to stand against the temptations of the devil. Just being part of the vine, just abiding in Christ. Let me ask you a couple questions. Are you happy in the Lord today? Is the joy of the Lord your strength? Whose table are you sitting at? Are you at Satan's table dining on the things of the world? If we are, understand we can't be full with the joy of the Lord. Why? Because we're not aligned. We're not aligned. If we're at Satan's table and enjoying the things of the world and the sins in the flesh of the world, we're not aligned with him. Are you happy in the Lord today? Is the Christian life a pleasure to you or a problem? Is it a necessary evil? Well, I got to go to church and put my time in, or I got to read my Bible so I can check the box are you abiding in him understand this is a decision that every one of us need to make it revolves it starts it ends it begins in the word of god when i'm not experiencing joy in my life i'm not remaining i'm not abiding in him i'm not serving him i'm not where i need to be but when i'm remaining when i'm abiding In him, in his joy, there will be a joy that remains in us that can never leave. You know what that joy is? Jesus Christ. Jesus indwelling us through his Holy Spirit's power. That joy will always remain. There will be a fullness of joy that comes forth from my life that will be evident to all those around me I've asked you personal questions today how full is your joy what table are you sitting at let me ask this question in closing people that you know and they look at your life would they say they've got something would they say they have a joy that just doesn't make sense? Or would they just say they're just a good old boy? How fooled is your joy? Are you aligned with him? Are you enjoying the Christian life? If the Christian life is something that's painful for us, that's a drudgery for us, that's something we have to get through, there's a problem. The problem is this, we're not aligned with that flow of water, of his word, of his love, of his joy, of the blessings. He. We're not aligned. There's something blocking it or misdirecting us from where we need to be. Listen, don't waste more time. Don't do it. Get aligned with him today. Get that sin gone. Get yourself focused on where you need to be. Focused upon the word of God. Father, thank you for the time you've given Thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you for its promises, its truth, its commands. Lord, I thank you for knowing that it will will never bring forth anything that fails us. Lord, it's always going to bring forth uh, something that's good and and, and what we need in life. Father, I pray now as I just ask many questions, Lord, that you would use those to prick the hearts of the people. Lord, you've You've done it to my life this week, knowing I was going to be preaching on this, and and Lord, just what you've brought, thank you for that reminder from me of the need I have personally of abiding in you.